This week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands-on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, onto the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of The Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina, here again this week. And tonight, um, we're going to talk to a new company uh, that actually just launched, uh, just really came out of of stealth mode actually yesterday on Platform 9. And we are joined this evening by Suresh Raghuram, founder and CEO of Platform 9. How are you doing this evening, Suresh? Hey guys, good to be here. Thank you for having me. It's, I'm doing great. Uh, likewise, hope you do. Good, great to have you on, and uh, welcome aboard. Where are you at today? Sometimes this, with startups, you're all over the world, uh, off courting customers or building code or something. Uh, building code, but uh, very much in Sunnyvale, where uh, we're located. It's in uh, California, about 40 miles south of San Francisco. Very good. Awesome. Very nice. Um, well, so. Why don't we just sort of start at the beginning? Um, you know, Aaron and I were talking about this because sometimes we find out about new companies. You guys have been talking to a lot of a lot of folks, and we kind of said, "Okay, let's." There's a lot of good content that's already out there with you guys, but let's talk a little bit about where where the company, where kind of the idea of the company came from. We know it's a lot of uh, folks with um, some pretty deep VMware background, but but where did the idea come from to? to start Platform 9 and kind of get into the, the space that you guys are in? Uh, that's a great question. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I think the founding team definitely comes from, I think, a combined four decades at uh, engineering and VMware. Uh, and I think, you know, there was one, there was one conversation uh, which left me really distraught in terms of uh, I was missing something fundamental, and, and we got together and started talking about this very seriously after that. And this was a company in San Francisco where uh, I had a friend who worked there. Uh, and I was talking to the engineering team and trying to get them to use more virtualized infrastructure. And I was, I, you know, I, I actually went and met with their director of IT and ops. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I I couldn't understand why that was. And it turned out that he, he just felt that, um, you know, for a startup these days, uh, it's just so hard to run their own infrastructure that he's like, I'm never going to do that. I don't have the time and bandwidth to go hire, you know, star, we star certified star, you know, people and put together like a large team that can manage like my environment. And um, that was a, a pretty, that was a pretty deep conversation. And we left that meeting wondering how, how that came to be when, you know, there's all these benefits with virtualized, virtualized hardware but why is it that people don't use it and, and they stay away from that? So that, that really got us thinking. And when we, we really dug deep into that, we, we came to the realization that uh, people really need computing infrastructure to be a lot more simple and easy. Uh, everybody has a Mac. Uh, they don't just go and use something in the cloud. They use a Mac. Uh, why do they use a Mac? Uh, it's because it's simple and it's easy. It's, you know, you go, you get it, you open the box and you start using it. And the cloud is not like that. Cloud infrastructure is not like that. It's a pain in the ass to set up. 
Uh, it's a pain in the ass to manage, upgrade, monitor. Uh, people don't have the confidence that they can do that and do that efficiently. And we felt that uh, that is underserving all the progress that has been made in the, in the virtualized infrastructure space by companies like VMware and others. And uh, we thought we needed to go and revisit how, how virtualized infrastructure is managed in the first place. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. And really, there's been a lot of, of companies started by VMware alumni, if you will. And the vast majority of them tend to focus on on very VMware-centric problems. And you, you seem to be really taking a step back and really approaching it more from operations in general than just virtualization specifically. And so what what was that your top priority and 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 why is it maybe different than some of the other you know vmware alumni startups that are out there yeah so you know firstly on the alumni community i think it comes down to the kind of talent pool that uh, worked at vmware it was an incredible place and some really awesome people and connections for life uh, and for all of us i think we're really having uh, you know very thankful for having been a part of that I think it comes down to, for our own case, I think it came down to the problem that we're trying to solve. And conversations like what we had with this person, uh, we realized that uh, maybe at VMware, uh, we were you know, very inclusive in our thinking and, and thinking in a certain way with VMware's hypervisor and everything built on top of that. Uh, whereas when you look at it from a customer point of view, maybe that's not how they think about it. And this person's top problem was that he needed a way to have a pool of infrastructure that was available for his organization to use. And to him, whether it was VMware or not, was a, a secondary detail almost. Uh, he first needed a way by which he could make that operational. Uh, so that's kind of how we started to realize that there's a gap between looking at the technology that we were more familiar with uh, versus looking at the customer perspective and just wanted to always you know, look at it from a customer point of view and then build backwards from there as opposed to looking at the technology and build upwards from there. Yeah. So, you know, when we were when we were looking at you guys and we got told about what you were doing, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me was and we've, we've got a ton of friends and people in the industry who, you know, either are associated with VMware or associated with trying to build clouds, OpenStack clouds, and VMware clouds. And and they're they're very smart people. They're very, you know, they're very intelligent people. They figure things out. But but it's a it's a small number. And, and you go okay, the learning curve, they don't have a way to necessarily transfer their learning curve to anybody else. And so the next customer that wants to deploy this, they start from scratch. The next customer, they start from scratch. And I've, I've always been kind of curious as to why we don't see more companies doing what you guys are doing, which is, this, in essence, cloud management, private cloud management, kind of as a service, delivered as a SaaS offering. Because I would think, and, and I'll be curious as to how you guys are sort of learning from this, but I would think your learning curve should should start to grow somewhat exponentially the more customers you add as opposed to sort of what customers are dealing with which is starting over every single time is that sort of a fair assessment of kind of how you're hoping to see this market evolve yeah I, and you know i think what you speak to is a key point is it comes down to leverage right uh, when you have a lot of small organizations that are having one or two people or three or four or five people that are trying to run their IT department and their IT infrastructure, uh, it is harder for them to learn from uh, everything else that the broader community at, at large learns and, and implement all those learnings. Whereas if you have a, a core team that's very focused on doing that one thing and doing that very well, then it's much more likely that they'll learn that. 
So which is also why you do see the success of the public cloud market is because uh, there's a few large players uh, that have consolidated environments. And it's not just the consolidated infrastructure. It's also the processes and the automation and the expertise that they have where they're, they're, they're making this very mechanical, right? They've broken it down. They've figured out the recipes and they're making it very mechanical to run your cloud uh, internally. So we definitely think that there's a leverage angle. Uh, and we've certainly seen that. Uh, for example, the kinds of issues that we've learned about in the last year, uh, we think a lot of these are things that individual customers would have to go through one by one. And it just doesn't make sense for them to be trying to implement something so complex. Yeah, it's really almost a, a, a cookie cutter or, or a mold model of well, you, there's no need to reinvent the wheel over and over. And and to kind of dig just a little bit deeper into what both you and Brian have talked about in the offering to kind of explain it to those that may be completely unfamiliar with it is what we're talking about doing here really is is taking on-premise resources, virtualization resources, but managing them off-premise, you know, as a, as a software-as-a-service offering. And it's very unique because that that is a trend here. We've seen recently in the, in the OpenStack community, but it's been more of, you know, there's like Mirantis or, or Bluebox or some of these other folks that are out there of, of managed OpenStack off-site. But you're really kind of almost blending them together, if you will. Um, it's almost like a separating the control plane and the data plane <laughs> almost to, to really oversimplify things, right? That's exactly that's exactly the way we see it. And you know, let me let me present that in a different perspective. So if you think about the public cloud, uh, I would say there's broadly three layers to it. Uh, there's the infrastructure that the public cloud is running on. Uh, and if you compare that with the kind of infrastructure that most enterprise customers have access to, it is no better. In fact, it's probably worse than the typical enterprise infrastructure because enterprises run VMware and VMware's hypervisor is much better than the hypervisor that most public clouds run on. So the infrastructure is no better in the public cloud. Okay, and then let's think about the DevOps people. Um, are the DevOps or the administrators in, in, in these organizations somehow smarter? I would say there it's a bit more of a 50-50 because I, th- I don't think that the people are any, any, any better in the public cloud as opposed to in enterprise organizations. But the difference is that because they have this leverage, they probably learn and they have uh, broken down these uh, they've, they've broken it down to a science, right? They've gotten it down to a science. It's a recipe, how you rack and stack servers, how you hook up new machines, how you bring on new capacity. So I would say there is some, some advantage that they have there. But the key advantage is really the management system that they have. And that is the key. So we think that the public cloud really has this different way of managing infrastructure, which is fundamentally advanced and, and a very different way of doing things as opposed to how traditional enterprises are managing the infrastructure. And our thought was, if we can make that available uh, without coupling that to any hardware and give the choice to our customers saying, okay, here's a management system and plug in the hardware that you like into it. And most, for most organizations, the natural starting point is, why don't you start with the hardware that you already have? Uh, then take it from there, right? So that that's kind of how the thinking came about. Okay. And, and how do you... So- uh, you know, customer gets in touch with you guys. They say, "Hey, here's a here's a rack. Here's a half rack of hardware of whatever it is." How do you how do you inventory that? How do you figure out if it's going to be something that um, you know can, can deliver some sort of of defined performance? Because we, you know, having been around the virtualization game for a while, 
Um, yes, if you have a, a bunch of brand new servers, like virtualization is pretty easy. They have a lot of RAM in them. How do you know that you don't have you know a bunch of four or five year old old HP DL whatever boxes that you're going to be like, oh crap, they're going to they're going to have a bunch of issues? What's the what's the sort of inventory at least setting a baseline mechanism that you guys use? So the way uh, it works with Platform Nine, and in case your readers aren't familiar, is uh, you go sign up at Platform Nine, um, and Platform Nine will provision an account for you. Uh, which basically runs your own dedicated cloud service instance uh, based on OpenStack. And when you do that, you get to download a little host agent, which you can drop in onto your servers. Today, uh, we support most major Linux distributions. Uh, It's about a 4 megabyte agent in size. You install that, and that agent then communicates back to your Platform 9 controller and and reports back and integrates with uh, that controller from that point on. So the key uh, integration point is the fact that uh, today with our Linux uh, servers, we are integrating with the kernel virtual machine, uh, which has well-defined APIs, and OpenStack has very good support for it. So there's well-defined APIs by which we integrate with that. We support most modern Linux distributions, so all we need is a Linux server that supports a reasonably modern distribution, that's a reasonably new distribution, uh, and... You know, you may or may not have KVM on it, and we would get the configuration to be exactly compatible with what is needed, and you're off to the races. So from that point on, the agent is discovering the capacity that exists, the compute, memory, storage, networks, the VMs that are running there, and how they're using those resources. And it provides this data back to the cloud service, which reconstructs a cloud graph of all of the different nodes that you've added. Uh, You may have added multiple servers, like you said, one could be a four- or five-year-old HPDL G6 or G5. Uh, one could be a brand-new one. And the great thing is that these are not fundamentally hard problems. These are resource management problems which uh, you know, computer science engineers know how to solve. Uh, you know how to measure, for example, the latency of access uh, that a virtual machine is experiencing on one node versus the other. And there's reasonable placement algorithms. OpenStack certainly has some reasonable ones, and we're writing additional ones as well. That would, that would serve to fairly apportion your workloads across your diverse infrastructure. In fact, I I just want to make a quick point. Our labs already have exactly that environment. We have some some three- or four-year-old servers and some brand-new ones exactly to test some of these behaviors. Ah, okay. Now, so you mentioned OpenStack. um, And when I think about OpenStack and especially, you know, some of these, these... ideas that we're doing here, I think about operating OpenStack. And, and for most people, the, you know, far and away, the most complex part is the operations of OpenStack. And, and you know, how do you do, say, upgrades? Or you know, what kind of you know, secret sauce, black magic, do you guys do from an operation standpoint to help out with all, all of this, you know, besides, of course, the separation of it? How do you approach management? So, so that's a good question, and I think that's these are some of the real, uh, you know, at the ground level, these are some of the problems that come to bite administrators when they're trying to run their infrastructure. So two things, right? The first is the most obvious one is by running most of the management software in the cloud, uh, you have the separation of concerns in terms of what the IT admin is responsible for and what they're not. So they're not responsible for the uptime, the configuration sanity, uh, and the availability of the cloud controller. Uh, we are taking responsibility for that. Platform 9 takes responsibility for that. You don't need to worry about that anymore. 
Then, so then that means that when we upgrade to a new version, we are responsible for the SLA. In, there is a downtime window, uh, but that is something that will shrink over time. And admins have control in terms of when exactly this upgrade happens. But for them, it's a very simple thing. You specify the window in which your upgrades happen, and the upgrade gets done. Now, sometimes that upgrade does require the software on the host to be upgraded as well. And that is, again, something that we take responsibility for. So customers are not responsible for getting that right. Platform 9 takes responsibility for that. So for the IT admin, it comes down to you need to define a, a downtime window when you're willing to take an upgrade. But that's it. You know, you're, you're really not responsible for the success of that upgrade. The Platform 9 team takes responsibility for that. Uh, which I think is pretty awesome from a customer point of view. It's a lot of work for us, but that's why that's what we thrive on. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting as you're talking about that. I, you know, I remember maybe maybe a year or so ago, Aaron and I were having a conversation because you were you were doing a project as part of some cloud stack stuff, and you were looking at you were looking at uh, vCloud Director, I think, at the time, and I can't remember what the the exact number was, but I want to say it was. You know, there was about seven or eight different databases that were living behind a bunch of these services. There was twenty some servers to be able to deliver the service, and and I was I remember you and I were talking about it when you're like, how in the world is anybody going to, you know, reasonably know how to upgrade this thing because there's lots of different versions of, of this and that, and the same the same sort of the the, the true with OpenStack. You know, I mean, you're talking about network elements, you're talking about storage elements, you're talking about uh, uh, Nova, you're talking about you know, Keystone, all these different pieces that while they all come out with the same name, it could be Juno or it could be Icehouse or it could be whatever, are very distinct things that people need to plan for. So, I mean, if you guys are, are getting rid of even just that function, because that stuff's coming out once every six months, that's a that's a big deal. That's a huge thing. And, and again, it gets back to that sort of learning curve of, of you ought to know how to do it very, very well. Yeah. And, and you know, I think someone once made this comment to me that, uh, you know, infrastructure management software has gotten complex to the point where it's like managing an infrastructure in itself. Yeah, uh, yeah and, I agree with that. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that felt very apt, you know. So, so what if we just make all of that go away, right? And how many people are hesitant or struggling with a, with a private cloud infrastructure or hesitant to deploy their private cloud infrastructure just because of how complex that is? That was, you know, that was, those are some of the questions we asked ourselves. And we said, hey, what if we make all of that go away, right? Just, just gone, poof, gone. You don't deal with that anymore. Would it be hard for admins to rack and stack boxes, uh, boot them with some Linux, and go use them from a web, really modern, slick web UI and APIs? Without doubt, that, that we should be able to do. So then why is this so hard? Yeah. Right, right, right. Now, if I if I take it away from operations for a second and approach it from more of of an economics perspective, your early customers that you've had so far, what advantages are they seeing? Um, and is it more of you know a, a, maybe an economics of an advantage of just going so fast and being able to get up and running in a more of a utility model and get you out of that capex world, or what are some of the early you know drivers behind the economics for your customers? So I would say this: um, I'll give you data from two different segments that we're seeing. Uh, the first is uh, interestingly customers that actually grew up uh, as startups on Amazon, and as they scaled and their their businesses got successful, typically I think at a Series C or later time frame 
they realize that they're spending substantial amounts of money and they're now also a more proven business. So it's no longer an existential, you know, they, they're no longer just a, a company that's in search of its business model. They, they're, they are trying to run a business. They have someone who's watching how much money and cash flow they have. At that time, they start to look at the expenses and say, okay, what does what our infrastructure spending look like? And is there a better way? And the rule of thumb that I've been quoted by two different customers, and it certainly matches my own Amazon bill, is six months of Amazon spending seems to buy you the hardware that you need to run that infrastructure. So, uh, and that's certainly been the case for us. I think in seven months uh, of using Amazon, we've already spent more than the rack that we have. Uh, and the rack runs 10 times as many machines, 12 times as many machines as we run on Amazon today. Uh, so, so that's pretty powerful economics, right? So if you're thinking some of these customers had multi-million dollar annual spend, and if you could say that if the hardware cost of it itself is so low, then the reason why they wouldn't be doing uh, moving to a private cloud would have to be the operational complexity and the operational costs of staffing a team and, and managing that infrastructure. Uh, and that, again, comes back to the economics of what I was saying, is if you can make a, lo- a lot of these operational complexities go away where IT admins are no longer burdened by that, then would they like to run their own infrastructure? Maybe not entirely, maybe not all of their workloads would run in-house, but would, they, would it open up the possibility that they, in the long run, run more of their workloads in-house and maybe use Amazon for spillover or certain very elastic applications? Yeah. Now, have you guys gotten, no, you, you guys are just kind of now announcing beta. So, you know, typically for companies, beta is a lot of customer feedback and so forth. Have you gotten to a point where, you, you have a sense of what your pricing structure will look like for customers in terms of maybe not the exact number, but, you know, what, what they can expect in terms of consuming the service or, you know, capacity or how, how, do, how do you sort of envision that maybe working? So I think we are not announcing uh, pricing at this point. We will announce it with general availability for KVM by sure. the end of the year. But having said that, we do know a couple of things. Um, uh, some of these early customers that I was talking about, which come from Amazon, they uh, one of the things they really don't like is how unpredictable Amazon bills can be. Uh, and, you know, that is something that I hear from them all the time. So we think that it's going to be capacity-based, hardware capacity-based uh, for private cloud resources. And it, so that's something that IT teams should be able to budget for and predict uh, reasonably easily. Uh, we want to make this a very simple and straightforward thing and uh, also a great value for them. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Now, um, one of the last topics we always kind of want to talk about, especially when you're, when you're really trying to almost manage on-prem from off-prem, you know, how does security work and, and connectivity and what is kind of the expectations between Platform 9 and your customers? So that's two very good questions. Um, security and availability, I would say, are extremely important. Um, so here's the here's the thing. Um, I think you need to uh, I think 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 about what other data do organizations have today, uh, or what other systems do they have which are critical to the business that require uh, data to be off-prem. So let's think about their what what could be the most important data that an organization has. Uh, it's probably their customer database, right? And what do they use to store that in? It's probably Salesforce. So, you know, they already, you know, organizations are typically already storing some really sensitive data out in the off-prem locations. 
Now, we take that very seriously. So Platform 9 is designed uh, with these concerns in mind. So I'll cite a couple of things. One is that Platform 9 is not multi-tenant. Uh, no customer, uh, no two customers share a, a cloud controller. It's completely dedicated per customer. In addition, uh, this is designed where they could bring this into their VPN parameter should they choose to. And that's something we're actually exploring with one of our beta customers. So it, it could literally be then conceived of as uh, instead of running the management software on a machine in their data center, it happens to be running on some other machine, which is part of their VPN parameter and which has a known security uh, characterization around it. And we have, so we have a lot more of these that we're writing up with a security white paper. We expect to make that available over time. Uh, coming back to your point about uh, one final thing on security is Platform 9 doesn't own any of your data. It has metadata about what your organization's infrastructure looks like, what are the objects that are connected using certain networks and certain storage devices, and how much capacity exists on certain nodes. Now, we think that is all sensitive data, but it is not any workloads, it's not any VMs, it's not any images, uh, which, if you're using the public cloud today, all of that stuff exists off-prem. So... We think that overall, if you, if you step back and think about it, we have a very reasonable security um, story, and we've designed for, for a lot of these considerations in mind, and we'll be making more of this public over time with our security white paper. Yeah. Coming, coming back to availability, uh, again, it's uh, the same thing, which is that if, if you were to lose your link to the Internet today, you'd have a lot of services in your organization, mission-critical services like email and Salesforce, for example, inaccessible. But having said that, with Platform 9, all of your machines run on your hardware. So your hardware, wherever it is, you know, that the, those machines continue to run. What you lose is the ability to manage and orchestrate and perform additional operations on top of those machines. Uh, and having said that, we do think that there's some really interesting opportunities for us to add, mitigate some of those risks, uh, which we're not yet disclosing at this point. Okay. Yeah, sure. That makes makes sense that there's a lot of advancements over time that that in that area to make that a little more robust. Absolutely, makes sense. Sure. So cool. Let me let me ask you one, one last question, be real quick, and then we can kind of wrap things up because we're we're getting towards that time when when everyone's commute's kind of done. Um, any plans? Just any thinking at this point about not only managing private, but but also sort of brokering to to other public clouds for people if they might want to combine that with their public private cloud service. Yeah, that's a great question. So, like I said to you, uh, we actually use, um, internally, we do use uh, our own data center, and we also use the public cloud. So, one of the things I love about Platform 9 is that we actually manage our infrastructure using Platform 9. Uh, before we release a new version, that has basically been running our infrastructure for a week before it get, gets released to, the, to our customers. So... Yeah, I think you can. We definitely see that problem where today we have to manage these two infrastructures as two different things, and that just doesn't make sense. We think uh, over time you can expect us to do something really interesting with that. Okay, very cool. Awesome. Well, okay, Aaron, I think we ought to probably start wrapping it up a little bit. Uh, Suresh, thanks so much for being on tonight. Where where can people typically find? You know, obviously. The website's the obvious place, but where are you guys going to be out and about in the community where people might be able to sort of meet you and pick your brain about stuff? Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so we have uh, our website at platform9.com. Um, drop us a note, uh, send us uh, an email, or register for a request a demo, request a trial. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at platform9sys. Uh, we're going to be at VMworld booth 324 uh, later this month. It's a huge event. Very excited about going there. Uh, we're also going to be at a few VMUGs and uh, probably the virtualization field day in January. 
So, yeah, we're going to be out and about and hope to see many of you folks. And uh, uh, Brian and Adam, thank you for having me. This is, you know, I listen to you, I listen to you guys, and I can't believe that uh, we actually get to talk to you about what we're doing here. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, listen, Aaron, uh, you want to you take us home, man? Yeah, absolutely. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. iTunes and tell a friend about the podcast.